You're listening to the Millennial Innovators Podcast, a show where we interview the next generation of innovators in marketing, photography, and other fields who are changing the game in their industry. Join us each week as we tackle trends, topics, and challenges that matter most to millennials and the people who want to understand them. Here, nothing is off limits. Today, we're joined by guest host Amy Linda from the Estee Lauder Companies. Amy is the global talent lead for millennials at Estee Lauder. She focuses on how the company tracks, retains, and develops its millennial employees, and has a lot of strategic insight as to how one effectively stands out internally and maintains the ability to shape their own career at a large global corporation. Let's check it out. Awesome. We've got Amy Linda on the show today, and Amy is from Estee Lauder. You are the global talent lead for millennials. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? (laughs) Basically, that means that my role is to really stay on top of, like, what is happening in the millennial talent space. So less about what are we doing for millennial consumers, but more about what are we doing currently for millennial employees, how do we attract them, how do we retain them, and how do we develop them. So I work on programs that address those issues. Awesome. And you've been at Estee Lauder. So I've been at the Estee Lauder companies for six years. Awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. A long time for a millennial. (laughs) Right. Which is, I love that because I feel like the show is all about breaking stereotypes Mm -hmm. and I think there's so much um, media out there about how millennials like have commitment issues. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that like I never, when I joined, I, the hope was that I would grow at the company. That's why I joined a large company. Um, but I've been fortunate that my role has kind of changed every two years or so, which has kept me engaged and interested, which I think is why I've been here this long. Yeah. So. What kind of enticed you to get into the global talent industry or side of the business um, in the first place? Well, I didn't even, I mean, global talent is kind of like a newer name. I mean, when I was in my mid-20s, I was working in a totally different field. I was doing um, catering sales and events. And um, during the recession, I was laid off. um, And I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, I'm not sure. And I had taken the GMAT a couple years before just in case because I always thought I might go back to school. And I was really interested in business. Um, And then when I was looking at courses um, that were offered at schools, the most interesting were everything that had to do with people and, like, organizational design and like why organizations do these things they do and so like it kind of made me think about HR as an actual career path like I never had thought about it before right so I went to school and majored in HR and just realized like this is if I'm going to be in business this is the area I want to be in yeah like was it the human side kind of having to deal with the people well I'm lucky that I work currently for a company in an industry I'm really interested in like I'm obsessed with beauty and it just lucked out that I work for a beauty company, but I thought, like, even if I worked for a company that I wasn't as interested in the products or the service that they were providing, I felt just being on the people side would be more engaging for me, because I'm pretty extroverted, and I, I love, I want to create, help create an environment where people are happy to come to work. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that mission. That's really cool. I feel like, also, I don't know, HR is kind of a mystery to mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm, people. Totally. Because it is so, I mean, there's a lot there and you have to especially when you're working like a big corporation Mm -hmm. you have to be cognizant of like all of the rules and Mm -hmm. um I don't even know legalities it was so true like I didn't even know human resources was a career path until like when I was in college I had no idea because I wasn't in a business school I was in liberal arts and I always when I eventually did learn about HR I always thought of it 
more of like being a generalist or someone who was involved in employee relations. And I thought that could be interesting. But then once I joined a large company that had a big HR team, I realized there's so many different facets of HR. Right. And I've been in a couple of different ones and I'm still like finding my way into like what's my area. But I know it's within HR. Right. Um, and right now I love what I do on the global talent team. That's so. cool. And it seems like you have an awesome team that you work with, too. Yeah, I do. I'm very lucky. Yeah. So, again, you said, like, what you're passionate about is changing the culture and Mm -hmm. and making the culture of where you work, you know, a nice place for people to enjoy. So what are some ways that you're you're doing that um, at your company now? So I think... There's been like a, I mean, our company is pretty large, so it tends to be hierarchical, and I think that can sometimes be like a, like a hindrance or can hold, you know, younger employees back because they don't feel like their voices are heard as much. So there's definitely been like a shift, especially on my team, where we really try not to like talk about people's titles. Like everyone's kind of like, like more on an equal playing field, like it shouldn't nice. matter. Yeah. Um... So we're trying to shift that. We're doing a lot more to, like, have younger people's voices be heard, and that's through um, employee resource groups. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't know if people are familiar, but large-scale corporations, there's oftentimes um, groups around a certain social identity, and people come together and lead those groups, and it's really employee-led. It's not company-led. Um, and what's great about these groups is, like, because they have such a large um, population of that their voices are heard collectively, which never necessarily was before. Um, and especially from the millennial group, which um, I started in 2014, we've just gotten so much traction and we've been able to actually like speak directly to senior leaders and, nice. and kind of like start to shift their mindset and how we work. Yeah. It's almost like, if you're like relating it to being on a college campus, it's almost like creating like a student organization yeah. that comes to the faculty exactly. and is like, we want this. Exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. You do some research through these groups, right? Mm-hmm. So what are some things you've, like, discovered about millennials or, or any findings? I mean, what's interesting is that the, everyone talks about millennials. Millennials is really, like, you know, different subset of the population. But, like, we want everything that other generations have wanted. We're just asking for it louder and there's right. more of us. So um, recently we I did an engagement survey with them. And, like, the number one complaint is that they want more, like, career progression. Yeah. You know, and everyone wants that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's that unique. Um, I do think that the expectation of flexibility is definitely um, maybe like we believe like it's an inherent right where generations before might have said, no, that's just not how it is in the workplace. You go there from nine to six. Right. And that's what it is where millennials don't really understand that. Like, why can't I do my job? you know, from my bed because right. I can't. <laughs> so that might be a little bit more of a difference, yeah. but other things are pretty much the same. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. I live with five women uh-huh. in Brooklyn, and it's like very New York. <laughs> We're all living in an apartment that may have originally been a one-bedroom or, oh or a two-bedroom. I'm not exactly sure. Um, one of my roommates works at this very large corporate pharmaceutical company, and she works from home, but... She's on the operations side of the business, so she works from home. Right. But she wanted to, um, she wanted to take a day and like go work from Florida, where her parents live. And you know, she asked her supervisor, and they kind of gave her a funny answer about it, like, "Yeah, it's fine this time, but like, don't make a habit of it." And yesterday, I just ran into her, and she was like having the hardest time. Um, I just could tell she was really stressed about the fact that he wasn't you know, super easygoing about it because she's like, I work from home anyway. Right, so what does it matter? Yeah, and it's funny. And I think 
we're so used to being online all the time and doing things on the go that you're right we do have that mentality yeah like I like the first thing I do when I get up is look at my work email yeah at six in the morning and like you know whether that's good or bad I just because I want to almost be prepared for what I'm going into right but like generations before that before we had this on our phone like they at least had those like couple hours to themselves yeah so it's kind of just like we're working more around the clock, we should have more flexibility in, in terms of, like, you know, where we're doing it. Right. I know I've seen a lot of companies say that they are starting to mm-hmm. allow, like, remote working mm-hmm. and things like that. But I, from my friends in those mm-hmm. companies, I haven't really heard that that's actually mm-hmm. a real, like, that it's actually happening culturally yeah. in the company. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where, you know, we'll see somebody like Microsoft or, you know, whoever having, like, a very large remote workforce? So, like, yeah, I think that also the, the misconception is just, like, remote because I think that when we talk about flexible working, it's not just about remote work. Right. Um, I know a lot of people, like, like coming into the office, but it's more about, like, well, if I want to come in at 10 and work till 7, like, why not? That's better for me. And you'll, you'll probably get more out of that person because that's the hours that they would like to work and right. they feel, like, autonomous in making that decision. So... You know, I I think a truly, like, fully remote workforce isn't always good either. Right. There's a culture, a community feeling. Like, I, I work from home, like, two days a week right now, and I'm very lucky. Most people in my company don't have that privilege. But I really enjoy the three days I'm in the office because I get to hang out with my coworkers and have face-to-face meetings. So I don't, I don't think my company will ever be, like, the majority remote. Right. But I do, I do hope that the culture, like, accepts the concept of flexible working and that it, it really varies person to person. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a good point. I'm glad you made that distinction because you're right. I mean, that's one of the reasons I work for myself, right? Right. right. Is that I can, I do, I'm more of a night owl. And so I get all nerdy at right. Like right. after 4 PM and, you know, get all crazy and we'll sometimes work, you know, till eight or till 10 or yeah. whenever. But, and so then I do like to like sleep in a little bit. Yeah. I didn't even think about that at um, a larger, larger place. Yeah. Yeah. So is that one of the issues that you guys are kind of talking about? Yes. So like we're definitely right now looking at creating some like formal guidelines for the company around flexible working. I do, to your point, think that the people who are against it, it's going to be really hard to shift their mindset. Yeah. The leaders that get it are doing it already. Mm -hmm. So... There might be, a, like, a level of, like, influencing across, but, like, leaders stepping up and saying, oh, yeah, I let my team do this. And, like, if that team's super productive, then hopefully that that might change that other leader's perspective. I do think, you know, as more boomers retire, it might shift even more. But, yeah. But some boomers get it. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So what are some other ways that you are kind of making things more younger workforce friendly? <laughs> I mean, we created, um, our, our company created a, a year and a half ago, a new platform. Um, it's called Assignments. So what we've been hearing from a lot of employees is that like they, they want to change their job or they want to move across function or into a different brand, but they don't have the experience and they're looking for someone with a certain experience, but how do I get that experience if they right. won't give it to me? So we kind of, our millennial group designed a concept or uh, created a concept um, I would almost attribute it to being like a a Craigslist for internal short-term job opportunities. So different departments, when they're like really busy during the year, they have a really intense project and they would normally hire 
an external consultant or a temp. Instead, they post it on an internal job board, and then internal employees can apply to be on it. So you can get experience in something you've totally never done before. That's awesome. So, and they get free help. Wow. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of people moving around like that? Yeah. I mean, it's just started. Um, about 100 assignments have been posted. Like, you know, people are constantly applying. It, there is a negotiation that has to happen between your manager and that manager knowing, like, you're taking on something extra right. or there's sometimes a ta- like an opportunity to vacate your job for three months and come back. So that's the challenging part. But there have been a significant amount of people who've done it. And we've just rolled it out to um, our Asian region. Cool. I know it's in Singapore. And the goal is eventually if we could get every affiliate on it, we could have international assignments as well. So awesome. Especially the when you leave your job for three months and then come back. Yeah. I mean, well, the opportunity to like, okay, I've been in this for a while and I, I yeah. just need a break. Mm-hmm. Let me see how this goes and then I can always come back. Yeah. You know, it's kind of yeah. like doing an internship. Or exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Is it taking a lot to kind of like educate yeah. people? So, like, I mean, it's been a year and a half and like people know about it, but it's still like you have to constantly go out and talk about it. I did, I do like a very short millennial uh, careers kind of presentation to some groups, um, kind of like asking them to like take ownership and on their other careers and like what's available to them at the company. And I always plug assignments. Because, yeah. And I also always plug employee resource groups. So, and not just saying join one and get an email blast, but like really like get involved and like lead one because yeah. there's such a development opportunity there. That's awesome. I was looking at your LinkedIn earlier, <laughs> like a career. And it looks like you've had three different roles at the Estee Lauder company. So do you have any tips or like, can you kind of explain how you internally kind of made yourself stand out? Yeah. So I think like the first thing is, is like nothing comes to you. Like, you know, like if you're waiting for someone to like knock on your door and say, Hey, would you be interested? Like that rarely happens. Yeah. It's happened to me once and only because of some other things that I put in motion. So for example, when I came to the SLR companies, I took a demotion to come, right? So I was a manager in my previous field, catering sales manager. I went to business school and I came to SLR Lauder companies entry level in HR. So I took a demotion, which I was okay, happy doing because I wanted to go into this field and knew I could grow. And I did that entry level role. I was kind of like, at the time, a junior level generalist. Um, so I did a lot of employee relations, a little bit of recruiting, a little bit of everything. And, but a lot of administrative work too. I didn't love. Yeah. And I really wanted to grow. And my, one of my bosses made a comment like, you know, I'm not sure if, if there's something that's going to come up that's the next level up. Like she made me very nervous. And I was like, ooh, that's not good. Like, am I going to have to leave? And I was working for two bosses at the time. And then my other boss had the opportunity to create an inclusion and diversity center of excellence. And she spoke to me and I, like, a week or so after that that announcement went out, and she was like, so I'm starting this group. Are you interested? And I, I mean, like, I'm interested in anything. Yeah. So, like, this is the thing. Like, I wasn't, like, all this. Like, I always knew I wanted to work in inclusion <laughs> diversity. It was more like I raised my hand. And I said, yeah, I'll try it. Like, so I think there's, like, a level of, like, raising your hand and saying I'll do it because she was very surprised that I wanted to. Really? And by just saying to her, like, I'm, I'm open to it and let's see how it goes. And it was like, the best decision. I got up to level up and I also was a part of launching all of our employee resource groups. And then within that inclusion diversity area, 
that we launched the first four groups and I really wanted to start a millennial group. And we weren't calling it millennials at the time. It was like 2013. We were like Gen Y or whatever. Yeah. And I asked my boss because we launched to start with. And I was like, well, what, what about a Gen Y group? And she was like, not maybe. Let's see how these go. So that was the first thing to realize is like sometimes you ask for things at big organizations and the first response is no. And you kind of have to take it. But you don't have to give up. Like you just ask again later. Because right. sometimes it's like the timing of when you ask changes things. Right. So a year later, we had success with the first four, and she was like, I think now's the time to start the millennial group. So then I started this millennial group, and I, I was the one who, like, went out and reached out to the people that I wanted to work with, and, like, that was how I stood out because I created this group on my own. It was so much work, and we grew so fast from 200, and now we're, like, over, like, 1,200 employees. We're global. And being in that group, I got access to lots of senior leaders that I had never, never would have talked to otherwise. Right. So it's kind of like my advice story is, like, raise your hand, try anything, um, ask for things. So that's the other thing is, like, if I just been quiet, like, I would have never even got the opportunity to lead this millennial group. I would have never had the opportunity to join Inclusion and Diversity. You really have to, like, go after it and ask for it. So don't be afraid, even if you get a no. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's amazing advice. And, you know, I identified with a lot of things you said. Yeah, I feel like we've had very different career experiences, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, because I would say those are, like, my two biggest recommendations to people uh, whenever I'm talking to, to people. It's always say yes to opportunity. I think that's the only reason I've had progression in my career. And then ask for what you want. Because if you don't ask for it, no one's going to offer it to you. And, you know, you have to ask for it. And even if it's not the right time, at least it's out there. Yeah, yeah. And so it's spoken. Put it in the universe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you can come back to it. Even the flexibility thing I'm working on for the company, like 2014 when we were creating the design for those the short-term assignments, we had also put in a proposal with that for flexibility guidelines. And at the time, our head of HR wasn't as interested in that. He was really focused on the assignments. But now two years later, I did this millennial survey and represented it, and my recommendation was flexibility, and now he's into it. So it's like cool. the timing, it depends. Like things can happen in the world that can like somehow shift a leader's mindset. Like you still have to keep asking and politely and take the no when it's a no but like you can keep asking yeah absolutely I think it's all about the way that you take the no you know it's like if you take it with like grace and uh like an adult yeah yeah (laughs) and you don't like you know pout and don't let it like crush your soul like people say no and that's fine and and the worst thing that like you that can happen is you ask for something they say no it's not like they're gonna think Something weird of you unless you ask it in a weird way. Right. You know, like, just, it's, I think people are, are scared of, like, it's like the fear of asking that holds yeah. them back. Yeah. But the worst thing is no. Exactly. I love that you are talking about this because entrepreneur is almost like a buzzword mm-hmm. these days. Mm-hmm. But I think being an intrapreneur, mm-hmm. like somebody who creates change and is almost like an entre- entrepreneur inside a large organization is a really cool place to be and a way to stand out and kind of build a personal brand internally inside the company. You know, if you're at a place that you want to be at for the next 5, 10, 20 years, um, there's a way to do that. And I think it's by creating a name for yourself and showing people, okay, I don't have the position to lead in a department, Mm -hmm, but what I can do is show you that like one day I could, yeah, you know, exactly. by doing all these other things. That's so true. Yeah. 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 And 
I think that's really cool to do, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my goal is to, like, not be overlooked because, like, I think at a big organization, there's so many people, it's really easy to just, like, blend in and, like, who's going to be advocating for you? So my my hope is that just by doing good work and, like, building relationships that it helps move me forward. Yeah, absolutely. And the exposure that you get. That's the reason that I went to work at startups um, initially in my career was because I felt like I didn't know anything about business. Right. But I knew that if I put myself in a position where I could watch great leadership in action, I would learn yeah. just based off learning from them and their interactions and conversations. And I didn't think I could get that experience at a larger company but now I, I see that I could, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't think at the time I was yeah. comfortable enough with, like, I wouldn't have been able to do that at the time, so I'm glad I went the route I did, but yeah. I think you, you could. could. Yeah. I didn't start at a big company either. Right. Well, for me, it was like, I was just happy to have a job yeah, in general, so then you kind of, like, slowly figure out what you like and where you want to go. Exactly. Entrepreneurship is not easy, and no. I would say, I mean, the last year and a half, I mean, it's been one of the hardest things I've ever done. So I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> like if you can be fulfilled and yeah. and you can get what you want by going to that that company, I would totally recommend doing that and creating change within. Because mm-hmm. also that does then eventually flow out externally, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of is a good seg- segue because we're talking about how to make yeah. yourself stand out yeah. internally, but yeah. then how do you also make yourself stand out externally when you're from the outside and you're looking at a company that you really want to work yeah. for. So I would say that, you know, if you're just applying to jobs online, that's, I mean, if you get picked just from the pool of like hundreds of people that apply to one job, like you're really lucky. Yeah. Or you're like super overqualified, like you're like, you've done that exact job somewhere else. Like I, like I really think that it's still about networking. Mm-hmm. Like it's, whether it's digitally or in person, like you know a company you really want to work for like try to find a way to whether it's through LinkedIn to reach out to someone and have coffee with them like try to meet someone that works there that can like get your resume in front of the recruiter absolutely because otherwise it's a really it's like a crapshoot yeah I was just talking to some students at Kent State University last week and they're just all freaking out about leaving college and they've been applying for jobs and I'm like okay that's great but I call online job applications the black hole yeah, of doom because you spend all this time like crafting this perfect cover letter also there's so many fields you gotta oh, fill out yeah. it takes a, like so long for each one and then within an hour of submitting you hear back from a robot it's like mm, you didn't get this yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I was trying to get them to think outside of the box a little more and I'm like why don't you reach out to some of these people on LinkedIn or if if they're not on LinkedIn Try Twitter. Yeah. Twitter is like my secret. I have better conversations there with the people that I want to reach. I don't use Twitter, but oh, I've heard that. There's such big social networks now. Like, there's someone in your social network, like maybe one of their siblings that works somewhere. Just have an introductory, like, I want to learn more about your company. Can you impress them that they might be willing to pass your resume to work? You know, you yeah. never know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you still, it's like you have to get out from behind your computer. And you have to be, you have to be personable so whether that's in person or online, you've got to yeah. be like human. And I think with that comes also being very transparent and vulnerable about the fact that 
maybe you don't have experience yeah. in this, but you're really excited to learn, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I was just talking about this with my coach at work, and it's a lot, like, more than half of what you do is, like, your attitude. Yeah. So you can have a really great performer, but if their attitude sucks, like, it doesn't even really matter. And if you show up and you're really poised and, com- and confident and articulate, and even if you're articulating that you don't have the experience, but if you come across, you know, more than just, like, a meek college student, like, that will go far. Right. On the last podcast episode, I had um, a friend who works at, she's a marketing manager at LinkedIn. She and I were talking about the number one thing we look for when making a new hire, and we both agreed that it was the willingness to learn and that excitement Mm -hmm. for just wanting to get in, get your hands dirty kind of thing. I also find it appealing when, like, someone comes in from school and, like, they've never really, maybe they've had a couple internships, but they come in really, like, posh and poised, and I'm like, I can't believe you're a college student. Like, I want to have that reaction. Yeah. Because I think sometimes people are really nervous, and we just want to know who you are. That's, like, especially for someone coming into an entry-level job, like, we don't expect you to know what you're doing. It's an entry-level job. So we're almost hiring for, like, culture fit. Mm -hmm. So we just want to make sure, like, the person that's coming in is mature and responsible and, like, cares about what they're doing and willing, like you said, to get their hands dirty and do stuff that that isn't necessarily, like, you want to be doing five five years, but you're willing to, like, move your way up. Yeah. That's the other big thing Alex said, too, was culture fit. Yeah. We want to see that you vibe with the team and and that you're, like, a real person. Yeah, exactly. Um, Because nobody wants to work with somebody who sucks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just to put it honestly. No, that's true. On that point, I work a lot in tech, and a lot of the tech companies I've been working with lately, they kind of have this new rule you know, it's part of their culture. And what they say is, like, there's no, that's not my job. Mm-hmm. Like, Trello. Um, I was there for lunch a few weeks ago, and they have a receptionist. And they have a doorbell, actually. So if the receptionist leaves her desk, like, goes to the restroom or is on vacation one day, um, you know, the doorbell will be on. And it's everybody's job to kind of manage the door, like, right. greet people when they come in. Um, no matter what your title is. And I I found that really cool. That is really cool. Like, that's definitely, like, probably unique to their culture. I wish more cultures were like that. I know. I think, you know, like, uh, to me that seems, like, normal, but I know there are people who are very senior that probably wouldn't. So, like, it depends on, like... Where you are. Or, yeah, absolutely. Another thing I've discovered in just talking with, you know, college students and, and young job seekers is that some of them either have a really specific place they want to work like the Pittsburgh Steelers or um but then a lot of them really don't know it's like they don't know what companies are out there and at first I was kind of like well do your research you know but they're like there's just so many but do you think part of it is the brand's responsibility to make itself known Mm -hmm. and inviting to those I think, I mean, I agree. I think most of the time when, like, a college student's graduating, they'll think of, like, what brands do they use? Oh, I really like Nike. I want to work for Nike. They're using the products. So I think that's, like, the first go-to. So, but I do think there are a lot of great companies that people don't know about, and it is the responsibility of the company, you know, to share their employer brand. So I know, like, for our company, we haven't done a great job doing that because a lot of people know our brands and they might say, oh, I really want to go work for Mac. But they don't know, like, but Mac's a part of the Estee Lauder companies and we do a lot of really great things. So, like, we're just finally creating an employer brand that lives on social media. That's the other piece is, like, you have to reach the 
candidates, like where the candidates go. Instead of just having them come to your employer website, it's like, well, we need to be on Facebook, we need to be on Instagram, we need to be like highlighting like what our employees are doing because otherwise people don't know we exist. Yeah. So yeah, I think more companies are starting to realize that, that like social media is a great opportunity for them to like let people know what it's like to work where they work. Yeah. And ramping up your online presence to create more of that engagement. What has that been like? Have you seen the shift internally? It's slowly happening. So, like, big companies are, like, very worried about saying the wrong thing. Right. They're very, you know, risk averse. So, like, we're a small company. They're just like, whatever, I'll put it out there. <laughs> you sue us, we have no money. It's right. Like, but, like, for big companies, you know, like, there's a big legal team. Like, so we've just, within the past probably, like, year started doing it. But we're getting a lot of traction. Like, we're getting a lot more Glassdoor reviews. And we're getting a lot more um, LinkedIn, like, uh, pages viewed and so it's, it's helping a lot, but it's slow. And we're the challenge with us is getting content approval and the process for that. Right. And the trust of, like, under like saying your team knows what's appropriate to post. Right. You know, because it's nerve-wracking. Absolutely. People just post what they want in the universe. Right. When they're speaking for this large brand, that's exactly liable. Yeah. Does that all funnel through somebody like, brand management so we have someone on our team within global talent that manages our talent brand but like they work very closely with our global communications team which is kind of like a corporate pr yeah got it that's interesting so then as the company is getting more social Mm -hmm. are the employees getting more open about being socially interactive with the company online so interesting we just got an email yesterday it's like our updated social media rule mm-hmm. principles so they're tr- I think they're trying to say like we trust you go forth but you like they're like you have to disclose like if you're saying like Mac is the best brand ever and you work for Mac like you have to disclose you work for Mac so like there's certain things that like interesting you need to like be aware of so Unless, I mean, it's hard because, like, what if you just feel that? Yeah, right. Yeah, but I think there's, like, um, there's a nervousness around, like, us saying things about brands and we work on certain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bloggers have to, like, I think if they're being paid by a company to promote something, they have to, like, let them know that somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so interesting because when social media first was starting to become a big thing, there was all this controversy over like teachers you know getting fired for something on Facebook or whatever and then all the laws were created where you can't really dictate what anything to do with you know your company's social media stuff and then now the whole paid advertising thing has created this entirely new issue which is when somebody is promoting or advocating for a brand or a product, we don't know if right. they're paid or not. I mean, technically, as an employee, you're being paid. I, yeah, you're so right. So it's like... Yeah, a fine line to straddle. That'll be interesting yeah. to watch how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Because I think employee advocacy is huge. In the organizations that I've seen best, when the employees are really you know, passionate about where they right. are and the things that their companies are doing, they're naturally like, talking about them um, online. Mm-hmm. And when you can kind of harness that to... Um, all kind of go in, in, a, in a direction or, or to create positive vibes yeah. for your company. I think it works well, but... Yeah, we're really trying to do a push for Glassdoor. I feel like within the past few years, it's really blown up because yeah. it's really where you can get, like, aggregate information because <laughs> it's anonymous, you know? Yeah. But, like, there's so many people that love our company and that work there, and we're like, go on there and tell them why you like it. Yeah. So it's, like, not being afraid of the negative comments, but, like, really... But, be more open because you'll probably get more positive. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. 
So we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but you're a millennial in a corporate company, but you're also very much a leader. How do you work your way around the tension of being young, mm -hmm. sometimes being either underestimated because of like your age mm -hmm. or, you know, experience or something like that, but also being a leader, right? Like, right. is there a tension there for you? So I don't know if I feel young anymore. <laughs> you are. <laughs> like, I guess what's funny is like, I would say... Five years ago, I would have felt that way, but I, I don't know if it's because I'm older, like, age-wise, or because of all the experiences under my belt, where right. I don't feel like if someone said to me, like, you know, you're young, it's like, well, I've done all this stuff. Maybe I feel old because I had a kid last year, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm a mom now. Yeah. I'm a millennial mom. I don't know. I don't necessarily feel young. Like, now I'm on a lot of task force with, like, people that are... Um, older than me or and they're not even I don't think that much older than me you anymore like, like peers, yeah so. yeah I feel like I'm starting to feel more like a peer like I definitely I'm not I'm coaching people that are now 10 years younger than me and they're millennials also right and for them I could see the like tension but I think it's just the um once you have a certain level of like amount of experience and you start to feel like well I might be age young but I've done all this stuff right so I don't I agree. I don't know if I'm answering that. No, you are. I think I'm on that precipice, too, yeah. where I'm starting to look at people around me, and I'm like, you're really not that much yeah. older than me. Yeah, exactly. And they're more my peers. You know, it's more of a lateral conversation than it. I feel like when I was younger in my career, though, there was a lot yeah. of being underestimated. Or being kind of put in a box yes. that I really didn't like because I wanted to learn and do things, and I felt that I, I had the ability to, if you tell me what you want, figure out how to yeah. do it, you know? I also so. feel like it might be, like, when I was, when I first started at this company, I was very junior, like, I was the lowest of level, and I think because our company's hierarchical, I felt more, like, young, because even though I wasn't, like, eight, I was still, I was, like, 27 at the time, you know, like, yeah. but because now that I'm a manager, I feel like, like, more level set and it might be because of the title versus my age right I don't know yeah but I do think it's hard when you're young because like you just inherently like you know less than other people mm -hmm. so you it's like intimidating sometimes to like say your piece right and to also like advocate for yourself I think and do it in a way that doesn't come across like whiny or or like entitled, entitled. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which apparently is a big it is a thing thing though. it's so interesting I don't want to talk about the election, but I like, you know, well, when the whole millennial craze hit, there, yeah. were, there was all this bad media, which is kind of the reason why I started doing a lot of these millennial things. And then I felt like we kind of got over it. Like we got to this point where everyone realized, okay, millennials aren't that bad. Yeah. Like maybe we just misunderstood them. But then with this election, I've seen so much negative millennial well, media. Like well, my question is, like, what happened to millennials in this election? They just didn't show up, which is, like, really upsetting. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we feel like we have power in our daily lives because we're on these channels and we can actively exercise our voice. Mm -hmm. So I think going to the polls and doing something like that to a younger digital generation doesn't... It's, like, antiquated. Yeah, it seems like, uh, whatever. I, I exercise my voice all the time. I don't understand not voting. I don't either. Especially, if, like, I, okay, I'm not going to say I vote every election season, right, right. so I'm not going to pretend I'm, like, this diehard <laughs> voter, but I voted for every president since I've been able to. Yeah. Like, I, I know a lot of people are unhappy with both options, yeah. but, like, pick one. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Or not versus, like, whatever. Pick one. Pick the one you think will do the best, <laughs> yeah. right? I totally agree. Yeah. I know. It's interesting. I wonder who 
is in charge of creating all of that, like, the brand around voting and the education around voting? I feel like it's like, everywhere. Like, yeah. for example, like, I, I read the Daily Skim, and yeah, they had, like, thing. Rock the Vote at the bottom, and I actually, it, because they had it on there, I went, I used that link that they gave me to, like, update my registration. Nice. Move. So, I mean, I do feel like a lot of people are doing, like, promoting voting, though. Yeah. I feel like it's, like, the thing right now, actually. Oh, yeah. I don't know, but I don't feel like they're doing an impact like in a, good, yeah. in a good way. I, when I was younger, I remember seeing Rock the Vote on like MTV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was when I was like sixteen and I couldn't vote yet. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like they need a new channel. Like they should do it on Netflix or something. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's interesting. So, what do you think is the best way for someone to position themselves to make change internally at their job or at their company? And we kind of talked about the whole. You know. Yeah. I think, like, honestly, it's, like, you need to, like, make your boss look good. Yes! <laughs> so I think expressing to your manager how this will help them in their job or help, like, they need to, you need their buy-in. You need people around you to buy into your change. You can't do it on your own. 100%. That is, like, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned. And I think being young and coming out of college and also trying to get experience under your belt and desperately feeling like you need that to kind of validate you, I think there's all these sort of feelings that get involved around like wanting to take ownership of things. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's the biggest thing that'll help you is if you can, it's not about you and it should never really be about yeah, you. It's not about an individual, like right. maybe at the very, very top once right. you find that. But like, it's about a team or a lead, like a like look a group. Like my department, global talent. Like we get a lot of great accolades, but it's not like oh so and so did this. It's like global talent did this. Yes, I love that. That's awesome, and it's awesome to see again that that exists at a large company and a, a company that also has like a very prestigious reputation. Mm -hmm. And you know, like yeah. Estee Lauder is a premier premier brand. But um, don't get me wrong, there are leaders that work for that they're like, I know this person's a change agent and they purposely go and work for them. So yeah. like, it's almost like a department and then you have the leader of the department who's like known. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like you're in one of those? Yeah. It's an active decision to switch teams and yeah. move on to uh, my current team because I was really inspired by my senior leader's leadership style. Yeah. Do you have any advice or uh, for people who are inside companies who are kind of just feeling in a rut or stuck? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard because I think if you are feeling in a rut or stuck, like, you should move, whether that's internally or externally. My advice is, like, try to exhaust all possible routes internally first because when you leave and you go somewhere else, that's fine, but, like, you have to almost start from the beginning, right. like, square one, proving yourself again, especially if you have a good reputation in your old company, like, why not try to find another team to move to, or you have the business, etc. like, if it's possible, but if it's not possible, like, don't just wait, Yeah. like, move, you really feel like you're stuck and you're not growing, so it's not always also about a promotion, it's, like, sometimes it's a lateral move, like, you, as long as you're growing and learning, like, that's fine. But if you feel like you've learned it all, you're stuck, or you don't have a manager that's supportive and, right. like, help, willing to develop you, like, definitely try to find some sort of move. Yeah. What do you think that amount of time is? So I think it depends on your level. So, right? So, like, at more junior levels, like, you should probably move after two years mm -hmm. at max. Sometimes it's 
opportunities don't open up that fast. Yeah. But I think after two years, like, especially if you're in an entry-level role, like, it's time. Yeah. So, um, my first job out of college, I was in for two years, and there, I just quickly looked around. I was like, there's nowhere for me to go, because my boss, it was, like, a very small department, was a director, and she'd been there eight years, and she's not going anywhere. So, I was like, okay, I need to leave. Right. So, you just kind of have to realize, like, at other levels, like, I feel like if I was, like, at a certain, my current level for five years, nah, like, That'd be it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even sooner, we'll see. But, like, in my mind, that's, like, a clear sign. Yeah. So you have to make a move or, like, yeah. do something yeah, yourself. Yeah, it depends. Like, you might like your current. Like, I don't want to also put down people that are, like, I'm happy where I am and yeah. this is good for me. Because there are people that, that that's fine. That's not always about being CEO or whatever. Right. So it's about knowing you're comfortable. I know for me, I wouldn't be happy if I was just at this level for the rest of my career. Right. Absolutely. You know what you want. Yeah. I think that's good, too. You have to know what you want. I just have a couple fun questions. Okay. <laughs> We're like almost up on time here, but um, yeah, just to kind of get to know you a little bit more. So, what's your favorite social media channel for personal and for business? So, personal, I think it's definitely Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> My friend pulled an article from Vogue. It was like the rules of Instagram. It was like so snobby. It was like, do not post more than once or twice a day. Oh my like, gosh. If you post, like, if your if your post goes up and you don't get more than eleven like take it down immediately oh my <laughs> like, gosh it's just but, but I like Instagram because it's like all about like the beautiful aesthetic business and news I get most of it on Facebook yeah I don't I like Snapchat like I had phases where I'm into it but then it like eats my data and I get sick of it I'm the same way I can't I'm not on Snapchat consistently yeah me neither it's interesting that you say Facebook for business though because I'm finding that a lot if people are using Facebook for business recently yeah. which I think is really interesting because everyone's on it it's like I think that's the thing it's like your grandma is yeah, on it yeah it reaches everyone and the CEO you want to talk to exactly. yeah it's interesting I mean Instagram too I follow a lot of business on Instagram but it's like it's hard to have a business post a really interesting photo every day you know like yeah. it's a really good medium like if you're willing to like put that stuff out there that's awesome what about do you use emojis yeah yeah I mean who doesn't I love emojis do you have a go-to emoji I mean I definitely feel like I use the smiley face like way too much um and I probably use like the kissy face to my husband nice that's awesome. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show. This was super fun. I hope it was interesting. <laughs> hey, Millenovators. This is your host, Kat Lashiani. Just want to say thanks to Amy for coming on the show. Uh, we had a lot of fun and really appreciate you sharing your insight with us. To all of you listening, thank you for taking the time to check out the show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're interested in connecting with Amy, head on over to millenovation.com and check out the podcast tab. If you click on Amy's episode page, she's given us permission to share the link to her LinkedIn profile with you there. So go on over, check out the show notes page, shoot her a message, and let her know that you liked what she had to say. Thanks again for listening. If you like what you heard, definitely make sure to subscribe on our website or on iTunes. If you've already subscribed, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a recommendation on iTunes. Recommendations are how podcasts are ranked. And when you leave one, it helps people who might be interested in the show's content discover it and know what we're all about. So if you're up for it, we'd love that. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Millennial Innovators Podcast. The first place to start with that is really thinking about why. Why do I figure out how? I mean, the first place to start with that is really thinking about why. What is the purpose behind it? about being authentic and it's about sharing you know what you're doing in your day-to-day